0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the Kent Spitfires One Day Cup podcast, brought to you by our One Day Cup partner, W.W. Martin, a show where we go behind the scenes of Kent's campaign in the Metro Bank One Day Cup and hopefully find out some more about the lives and careers of some of our favourite players. My name is Cameron, a lifelong Kent fan, and for this very special first episode, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by man, although hasn't been at the club for all too long, has already begun to establish himself as a fan favourite, and that's Mr Michael Hogan. Is it all right to call you Hoags? You can call me Hoags, Cameron. Brilliant. Well, firstly, thanks so much for coming on this first episode. How are you doing, and how are the boys feeling following that first win against Yorkshire?
1: Yeah, um, I'm well, thanks. Yeah, going okay. Nice to be here. The boys, um, yeah, obviously we had a warm-up game which was rained off against Hertfordshire where they, they put on a few runs, and then... Um, yeah, nice result in tricky circumstances, I guess. We we probably had the bad the bad side of the conditions really in terms of a rain affected game and a wicket that offered a bit for the Seamers early on and we sort of battled through and yeah, Joey Everson's played a, a beautiful knock there, but I guess it took a lot of confidence out of that, knowing that we were probably behind the game for long periods of time mm-hmm. when it was shortened and we come away with a win. So Yeah. Yeah, I think the boys are pretty confident and, and looking forward to um, to Leicester next game.
0: Yeah, and because obviously it's there's some familiar faces, but to some Kent fans, some unfamiliar faces in this squad. How much do you think like the confidence will be built from these players who are playing in some of their first few games of professional cricket, getting that win straight away under their belt?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's confidence is is good for everyone, really. Whether you've whether you played one game or 150, so. I think starting the competition off well, particularly after winning it last year, you know, understanding the way each other plays. Like I said, there's there's a few new faces in that group, and you know, obviously Parky's come in. He's played a lot of cricket, yeah. but not for Kent. And so yeah, confidence will be will be high. But I guess you're always only as good as your last game, and mm. there'll be different conditions and circumstances next next week. But yeah, uh, we look forward to it.
0: I go again. Well, before we get into your time at Ken, I actually would quite like to take you all the way back, oh. back quite quite a long way away to, I imagine, sunny Australia. Maybe at the moment it's winter, but you know,
1: it is winter at the moment. Yes, but
0: probably still sunnier. I don't uh, know.
1: Very similar temperatures at the moment. It's <laughs> sort of the middle of winter. So. Well, it shouldn't
0: be. But uh, first question: How did you get into the game? Who was it? Was it a family member?
1: Um, yeah. So I guess my 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 auntie, my mum's side. All used to go to the ODI matches and stuff like that in when they were in Australia, and so they were. And I remember when I was really young, they would bring me like an Australian wide brimmed, the old uh, Greg Chapel wide brim hats, yeah. and they'd come back with various signatures on it and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool, and I always remember that. But and my dad used to play, not at any great level, but he he, he played cricket, and I'd go and watch him play his sort of. Pub level senior cricket was always a bit of a laugh, but whenever we had the opportunity, you know, you go out in the afternoon, change of innings and things like that, and, and have a bit of a run around. So that was probably the background as to where I got an interest, and then always obviously love watching it on TV.
0: Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. So from Newcastle? Yep. And then, but you went into Sydney Grey cricket. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Okay. And so who was your club for Sydney Grey cricket?
1: Uh, Northern District.
0: Northern District, yeah. Yep. And then, or something that this because this gives me hope gives all the us listeners hope. <laughs> I, you may you may know where I'm coming for Your first professional contract was at the age of 28. Is that right?
1: That was my first game. Yeah. So I signed my I signed at 27. I think I was when I right. signed. Okay. Yeah. So my first game was 28.
0: What was happening before then for you? Because <laughs> obviously you're playing grade cricket. What yeah. are you doing up well, until 27?
1: So I mean. Part of the backstory. I, I played three years of junior cricket between sort of under tens, eleven, twelve, maybe thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, there was there's, I had a lot of I guess personal roadblocks that sort of stopped my progression through. Like I think when I was when I was fifteen, my mum passed away from cancer, um, which sort of. Put things on the backbone a little bit, just sort of. I found myself drifting into other things. I, I surfed a lot. I found that really, I guess, therapeutic would probably be the best way to put it. But, and then I came back into um, pub cricket, probably similar level. Like, I, I guess if you're talking grade levels, it's probably 25th grade in terms <laughs> of standards of cricket in Newcastle. So right. I played a bit of that. And then someone from – so we used to play at a club. Well, I used to play at a club called uh, the Cricketers Arms, which the guy who was part of Merriweather District Cricket Club worked or ran the pub across the road the Oriental Hotel. So when the cricketers closed, we'd go over the Oriental and have a couple <laughs> to, because we always need an extra beer after, <laughs> after a game's play. And this guy – Some of the guys from our team said, you need to sign this bloke. He's like, whatever. And so the next year I ended up playing for Merriweather. And after two or three games I was playing first grade there and found my way to the northern districts Mm -hmm. after that. So um, it was a bit of a whirlwind type between, I guess, 20 to to 23. And then sort of that was around that time – I didn't have a great year in Sydney. I came back to Newcastle for a couple of, couple of years and then I went back and that was 20, I was 26, 27 then and I got through half the season. I was having a really good year and then my brother had a car accident passed away. So it was another roadblock and then I guess I had a proper decision to make whether I either just go back home lot well, of probably a family were needed to be quite close or I make that decision and, and really knuckle down, stop wasting what I had. And um obviously decided to stay in Sydney and finish the season off really well. And then just at the end of that season I had a phone call from Tom Moody from the Wacker mm-hmm. who basically said we're having a centre wicket trial. We want to sign some bowlers. Can you come over here this weekend? this was on a Friday afternoon, I was just so I just finished the season. I did okay. I knew that New South Wales weren't going to sign me, Thought, right, that's it. Pack my stuff up. I'm going to move back to Newcastle, and I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm, <laughs> I'll come over when and it's all right. We'll book your flight tomorrow. You're on this flight. Wow. And we're we're training on, uh, Sunday morning. So come over. You get prepared and see how it goes. So. I rock up to this session at the WACA There's Tom Moody was there, Dennis Lilly, Chris <laughs> Reid, Terry Alderman. So the who's who of yep. West Australia and Australian cricket through that sort of 80s era. <laughs> and I started thinking, oh, God, I, I just do not mess it up here. So I, I bowled, I bowled okay, obviously quite well. And then sort of right shook hands, back on the plane, back home, And then that Thursday, so four days later, I had a phone call from Graham Wood, who was the CEO at Western Australia at the time, which I didn't know the number of, so I just (laughs) just screened and let it ring out, and I had his message, and then Tom Moody called, going to offer you a contract for two years. That space of, I guess, turned out to be about five, six-year period. I'd gone from playing grade 25 to being signed by... Western Australia, with no sort of um, <laughs> no pathway cricket or anything like that, so it's a, it's an interesting story. But uh, yeah,
0: that, there's hope for the rest of us. There is, is yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's.
1: I mean, I, I guess that's probably a an issue with a lot of a lot of systems around not just this country, but around the world. Really, is that if you don't go through a pathway system, you don't develop until a little bit later in your in your life. You you sort of get left behind and you yep. get lost. To obviously, people need to make a living, so you stop investing so much in your in your cricket and you go into other things but yeah, you know, there's still still a lot of guys who I think come off academies that still have a lot to offer but they just get to the side because they're not ready at 17 18 years old so so
0: I know you said that around your mid-20s that's when you kind of made that decision yeah. I'm, I'm going for this
1: but was it
0: ever before so teenage years did you ever have that ambition to be a professional cricketer was it purely just like as you were saying, circumstantial, yeah. you start playing pub cricket. No,
1: I, di- I didn't, I mean, I didn't have the drive to be. No, it's not sort of, I guess we, I mean, I grew up in a, in a really blue-collar, mm-hmm. you know, really blue collar, you know, working area. It was sort of, it just wasn't something that people did. It wasn't, we didn't necessarily in Newcastle have the avenues to, mm. to do that. A lot of guys that have done that beforehand have been sort of chewed up and spat out and they come back home and they just, it was, there was always a bad rap about moving to Sydney and trying to achieve because so-and-so and guys did it and it work out for them. So, yeah, I guess it was always a good thing, but I I, it was probably something I just fell into in the end. Right. I, I certainly didn't have the the ambition as a as a teenager. I mean, I was, I was surfing most days. I didn't I'm going to be a professional cricketer and I probably... Maybe if I'd have started a bit earlier, I may have played Test cricket. But well, I've wasted my opportunity.
0: Well, cu- well, it's almost like you preempting what I'm coming on to. Wow. Perfect, genius. So obviously, Moody knew what he was talking about and knew what talent he had there because you ended up taking 46 wickets in the 0-11-12 season, finishing second as the top That's wicket. Right. To- yeah, there we are
1: behind uh, Jackson Bird. Was it Jackson Bird? Yes, it was. He played Test cricket that year as well. Yeah. I, well, th- <laughs>
0: was there ever a chap? Did you ever hear any murmurs about maybe you... Because if you're saying like Jackson Bird got called up that year, like obviously Australia is quite renowned for having its core battery of fast bowlers and it's hard to get into it. But as you're saying, Bird did that year. Was there any mutings that you heard that perhaps your name could be?
1: Yeah, no, no, there wasn't, I think. So just around that time or just, I think, to be fair, uh, Birdie, who played here um, as well at Kent, so... He had two or three consistent years mm-hmm. leading up to that. So he was clearly the next the next guy in domestic cricket coming in to, to, to move into that role. And then I think the season after that, Mickey Arthur took over as the Australian coach and he made it quite clear. I mean, he was the Western Australian coach when I had that good season. And um, I, so I was close enough to him that I could have a conversation and, and he made it quite clear that he was after... 90 mile an hour bowlers, who you know pace was key for him, which sort of ruled me out say so even even sort of eight nine years ago, i guess i was I was probably nowhere near that sort of level i was probably so I, I knew that that put a halt to my to my ambitions and my chances so it made it an easier decision i think to to be able to um to utilize my British passport and come and play domestic cricket over here
0: well, I wanted to say that something that we share, unfortunately not cricketing ability, but we both have dual nationality of of Australia and the UK. But mine, I think, mine's my dad, yours. Mum. Mum, yeah. Was, because obviously for us over here, you're most well known for your career at Glamorgan and now obviously here at Kent. Was this always a pathway that you thought you were going to utilise? So using this dual nationality that you've got to come over here, play county cricket? Uh,
1: uh, Yeah, I guess I think... I mean, once I started, again, I, sort of, I I knew or understood that in Australia you had a limited shelf life. It wasn't sort of something that was done that you would play until, you, I guess, late 30s into, into your 40s. You know, there's limited spots. There's always someone new and on the blocks coming through. And so I guess once I started, I, I thought it would be a good way to extend my career. I knew I had a lot more to offer given that I had started quite late. So, yeah... It, once I, I guess once I started playing professional cricket, that was an avenue that I that I wanted to explore. And I think, given you know the family history, my mum was born in in, in Watford, grandparents born in Scotland, so it was something that I wanted to come over and explore and, and sort of have a bit of a look around. And you know, we've we've spent a bit of time with as our family now, my, my wife and the kids. We, much to the kids' uh, dismay, we <laughs> did a few road trips up. We did get to go to Harry Potter World though, so they were oh. happy with that. But <laughs> just check out because in the old, when my mum was born, they put the address of my grandparents, so their home address was on her birth certificate, so I could actually track down her home address or their home address. So we went and saw where. Just nice. I'm sure they. I'm not sure if the police were called when I was just lurking <laughs> in the front of someone's house, but it was. Mm. Um, yeah, it was cool to see where where they where they grew up and stuff like that. So. Yeah, it was.
0: It's nice. So why Glamorgan? That is, <laughs> I know Marcus North was he captain there at the time?
1: Was that yeah yeah North? Was, was the, the North
0: and the coach was also Matthew Mott. Matthew Mott. So yep. is that the reason? Or was there? How did that? come Yeah. About?
1: So I I guess so. This the, the chain behind that. I, I said like Mickey Arthur had just finished it at the Wacker, and I'll say the the guy that took over. I mean, I I liked him. He was, but I wasn't really happy with the way that things were were going. That it was it was a little bit, you know, with with that group. He wanted to give the, the group the autonomy to sort of look after themselves, and I think we needed a little bit more, you know, structured direction in terms of that. And I and we we played like it really, but we didn't play very well, and I wasn't enjoying myself. So I decided that that would be the the route I'd take, and. It was purely, you know, I, I guess I'm a, I like to be comfortable in, in where I'm going. And Marcus North was the overseas at Glamorgan. Mody was in charge. Jim Allenby from Perth, Stuart Walters as well. So there was a few familiar faces that, you know, I guess Jim and Stu, I didn't really know that well, but I knew from Perth. So there was a familiarity there that I thought that's sort of it make it easy to transition into there. At the time when I signed, I, I, the plan wasn't necessarily to stay there for 10 years. I thought that that would be the stepping stone to me moving somewhere else, but I grew to enjoy it, and yeah. so I ended up staying there but, um, until now. But, uh, yeah, it's, I guess that that was as simple as it was. It was it was familiar faces and just like an easy transition into the environment. Well, it's a
0: huge move, obviously, the other side of the world. Whatever things can make it easier for yeah. you coming to come into it makes total sense. What are the differences, though? Between county cricket and state cricket in Australia, for you, someone who's played obviously a lot of both,
1: um, uh, well, obviously pitches are a lot different, mm-hmm. um, balls different. You know, if you're talking cricket, play a lot more cricket, so it's not as it's not as high intensity as it would be in Australia, purely because of that reason, because you play so much cricket, and you know, we're seeing this year, I think, particularly. Um, because of the condensed season, as well, that there's so many so many injuries, so we kind of suffered a lot through that middle period of the year. Where you know, obviously last forward A game, we couldn't field yeah. eleven fit staff players. So. I, I
0: was readying myself; I was ready oh, for the you, call. You, know,
1: you should have put your hand up; you <laughs> would have got a game. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we, I guess we've had some bad luck. But like I say, that it's it's you can't be at one hundred percent intensity the whole time here because. Season just doesn't allow it with the amount of cricket that we play. So yeah, there's there's certain differences. Obviously, the surfaces, the pitches are, in Australia are quicker. They're harder. You bowl a different line, whereas in the UK you tend to attack the stumps a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a few differences, and I think realistically, I think when I first came over, here, county cricket got a, a, a bit of a rap as it was it was easy. It was the, how. How far off the mark those those opinions were, like, and I guess you know, it, it's it's seen by the way that not the England red ball team were playing through that through that period. Not so much at the moment. Obviously, it's a completely different beast now. But world champions now in, in both white ball formats. It's mm. they were, th- those opinions were clearly so far off the mark.
0: Can we squash the rumours that Sydney Grade Cricket is the oh, same as County cricket. Yes, cricket? Yeah, exactly
1: absolutely oh wonderful that, that's a personal <laughs> yeah for me. I, I it's always and it's they uh have a highly inflated opinion of their competition it is a strong yeah club competition obviously you get you know most teams throughout the course of the season will have state players come back and play and or former state players come back and play but while i mean i guess that some some teams would compete it's not the same. No. It's not. You know. It's they tend to have that opinion that they're better than everyone else. But I guess New yeah, Car- New South Wales run run last in the domestic competition. So yeah. you never know. <laughs> <laughs> I was really interested to read that 2015 16. You decided to
0: announce your retirement from Australian cricket, but obviously remain here playing for Glamorgan. A couple questions. Like, how did that come about? That decision. And also, was there a reaction from back home, obviously, starting out there that you've decided to finish there but remain in the UK and play on?
1: Uh, I guess, yeah, a little bit. The decision came about when I signed for Glamorgan back, originally supposed to come in 12, and it didn't quite map out, but um, for 13 season, the coach that I mentioned before, he quit, moved on, I'm not sure which one, but the powers it be? might have their own uh, their yeah. own opinion, but and Justin Langer took over, and straight away said that structure and the discipline and these types of things came back in, and I started to enjoy my cricket a bit more. But I had, I couldn't turn my back on that. I'd sign the contract, and he wanted me to stay, and I couldn't turn my back on that contract. So it was um, that was a thing, and then they changed a the rule in Australia where. I could play here as a local. So before it was that you couldn't play, if you signed as a local from Australia as a local, you signed over here, you couldn't play in Australia as an overseas. Yeah. And they changed that rule so that they could try and attract Sam Robson to play test cricket. Right. So they were struggling for openers at that time. Yep. And turned their back. He was sort of, I think he... I'm not sure of the exact story, but I think he was open to it and New South Wales couldn't fit him in to their side. So I played Test cricket for England that year. But the rule was changed and I took advantage of it. So I could play then as an as an overseas player. And So I played with... Dale got me back and sorted out this wonderful deal where I wouldn't... So he could basically invest his... Invest a contract in one of his one a young guy, and I would come back as a bit of a free player and once you play a few games, you get upgraded right'm not sure, hopefully this doesn't come back to cricket australia <laughs> right <laughs> so so that was the deal I'd come back and play I'd get an upgrade you'd get a free player because I think after that it came outside of your salary cap so cricket Australia basically paid and that was fine that worked really well for years and then we got to two thousand and sixteen. And our son, buddy Rachel, my wife Rachel, and I had decided that once we uh, he was due to start school, we would stay in one place now that one place would be whoever we had a better contract offer from and Glamorgan, at the time had offered me a three had a three year contract on the table, and we were just going year to year with uh, with w a and the same sort of same system so so we took. Took the um took the Glamorgan thing, moved the family over and um that was that. So we yeah, we lived here since two thousand sixteen. I guess it was for on their side, I know I'm still quite close with JL. He I, I think he was disappointed because he lost a player, but he mm-hmm. obviously understood the circumstance and I yeah. we were quite honest and open with each other the way it went and yeah, like I said, we've still got a good relationship now, so
0: Looking at obviously the stats and what you went on to achieve, you made a great choice with staying over at Glamorgan. But that brings us on to now, after 10 years there, you, you didn't announce your retirement, but you were thinking of retiring and you got brought out of retirement. What
1: is this? I'm not sure if I should create this sort of controversy. There's a story behind the whole thing. I, did, I, I didn't announce my retirement. No, no. that's right. I, I didn't. I I said that this will be my last year at Glamorgan. Okay. Um, uh, so reasons being uh, a few. I, I, I'm not going to throw anyone no, under no. the bus, even though they tried to do that to me. But um, I basically, there was a few things going on there. A few things happened through sort of that tricky two three year period of COVID, mm. whereby we decided that I actually tried to move through that time and there was nothing about so we thought that that was that once my time had ended then and once the borders opened in in Australia because the borders obviously closed we couldn't get back in and we weren't going to after obviously the hard lockdown period here we weren't going to then move our kids into a basically a detention center for two weeks in in quarantine to then move so we said right wait stick it out until the borders open and then we're done mm-hmm. so obviously the borders opened and right that's it. So as soon as they opened, we had had the conversation. I, I had the conversation with the coach and director of cricket leaving. I just thought I'd leave it at that. And then I guess at the end of last season, he finished, finished off quite well. And I think Kent, obviously Steve-O had gone, Um, Milnesy had gone. So there's, there was spots open. They were looking for some experience. And I think they had someone in mind who pulled out. Right. Um, so looking for other options and it got floated to me. And, you know, I guess after a very long conversation and discussions with my with with my wife (laughs) um we decided it was a good opportunity, you know, to not only sort of play, keep playing, but also an opportunity to sort of to do some coaching, mentoring stuff around the fifty over tournament. Yeah. So decided to take it, but then, you know, obviously that meant that I would then have to have another conversation with Glenorgan as to why I was leaving. So right. that happened. Yeah. And um yes, yeah. Disappointing the way it all panned out. As soon as I landed from here to Australia it, it all all broke out. There with some untruths to the story, but well, I'll leave it at, that. I'm not going <laughs> to go too, yeah. too in deep in case, you know, some of the messages I got were pretty disappointing, but so I guess it happens in,
0: in cricket. This has been your first year here, it's been, how do we say, you know, a difficult start to the season, how have you found it?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a different environment, it poses its own challenges, I suppose, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a... It's a, it's a funny dynamic, I suppose. You got players at different sort of stages of their career, and they still have quite big ambitions. And you know, others, are, others are just trying to do their best for for Kent. And it's been a it, it, yeah, it's been tricky, obviously with with injuries and stuff like that. It's a great group of guys, but still trying to work out you know the way they want to play and their I guess the structure of of how they want to go about the cricket. Uh, it's it's been I'm not going to lie it's been disappointing I'm sure it's been disappointing for supporters as well that our, our performances haven't quite been up to scratch you know, in in various various times you know the championship particularly has it not been great but there's it there's small glimpses here and there of performances but consistency has been has been a struggle so um, whether that's a you know, an individual mental thing or I don't think it's certainly not a coaching thing. I think it's it's a learned thing from from players. I think that, you know, in this at this level of cricket you you need to be on for four days, not just you know two and a half and we've been found out a little bit. But in saying that, you know, I guess you've also had these little nuggets of brilliance from guys like Joey Everson, for instance, and there's some young fellows coming through. I think Jazz Singh Come back in, played the game at Knott's last week, and you know, he's certainly one for the future that we're trying to bring through. And mm-hmm. he's, it's not going to happen unless he plays plays sure. more cricket. So I'm not sure that's any gives any solace to to supporters at the moment. But yeah, it's like I say, it's 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 been challenging, but it's it's been good.
0: So how, where are we with the body, the injuries? Are you available?
1: Yeah. So I'm. So my hamstring is healed. Yeah. Yeah. so yeah i've had i guess it's been four or five weeks now, so we're good i've I've nearly i guess I shouldn't say nearly because i in terms of workloads, I was nowhere near being able to play at knots, but i think yeah it would have been the wrong decision if I made myself available because there's no way I could have gotten through four days but right. now i guess i'm i'm I am available mm-hmm. and um sort of going through all aside from from the bowlers and and having a chat to the bowlers. I guess I've got still got little blocks of, of time where I can um where I can bowl as well. So at the moment just getting getting ready to make sure I'm cherry right for the for the last you know three, four day games. But also I think if um you know it's a good opportunity for the for the young fellows to step up in this in the fifty over comp they did last year and I think it's you know, it's important they get that you know, continued exposure. Mm-hmm. But if, if need be, and you know, we have a few, a few issues again, I, I'm, I'm available for 50 over cricket as well.
0: Are you enjoying this new role? Is this the first time you've done it? The mentoring coaching? Yeah, or Well, I guess, I, I guess naturally I you guess, mentor. Yeah, but- I
1: think, you know, through, through various stages of anywhere, I think all we'll, can lean on your experience here and there, but I guess investing more time and not being worried about you know, my own game. At the mm-hmm. moment yeah. it 's all about it. everyone else and and how they making sure they 're prepared. I am although i 'm finding it hard um, in the sense that once they step over the line and it 's game on it 's out of my control yeah and I, I I find it hard to find it hard to to sort of to, to cope with that at times it 's only been two games, I think you know learning from Simon Cook. He is the most. I'm. I'm generally quite calm myself, but he is the most calm person that I've that I've ever seen. In that, no, doesn't break any sort of facial expression. Just writes a few things down in his notepad, and you know, there was a couple of times in the game just gone that I had to get up and walk away. Just to- <laughs> how old do you find that as
0: a player? Because obviously we, we've seen with the Ashes, like the whole
1: mystique around McCullum's
0: calmness, no matter what the situation is. Do you prefer that a coach that you? Not really sure how they're feeling because they're so calm in the moment. No matter how it's going, or
1: yeah, look, I think when you when you're playing and you you basically have to own your own skills or mistakes, I guess. So I think for me, you know, I've like I say, I've I've got control of that. If I miss my length or I miss you know miss the way that I execute, then I I need to wear that. Okay, but if I guess as a coach watching games and knowing that you've had an influence on Potentially had an influence on people missing their execution then don't know how how to um how to describe it really but yeah it's like i say when it's when it's out of your control and you've got no influence on mm-hmm. what happens out of the middle it's, it can be tricky no i can
0: imagine but <laughs> this is the first part thank you so much like honestly your story is fascinating and as i'm saying for someone who is uh still harboring the dream <laughs> <laughs> your, your inspiration to us all but we'll be back with you after this mini break where we'll go into some q and a's and some fun little bits but join you after this
1: perfect hi it's michael hogan here we hope you're enjoying the kent spitfires one day cup podcast we'd like to acknowledge our partners ww martin major sponsors of our men's one day cup team black opal travel group major sponsors of men's first class team shepherd neem our official beer supplier major sponsor of our men's vitality blast team and the spitfire ground st lawrence FGS Plant, an official sponsor of Kent Cricket. Barrett's Motor Group, our official training kit partner. Castor, our official kit supplier. Bayless Executive Travel Limited, our official travel partner. And our official charity partner of 2023 season, Porchlight. Join us after this, where I answer some of your questions.
0: Welcome back to the Kent Spitfires One Day Cup podcast. I'm joined still by the great hoes. I'm... I'm looking forward to this bit because here is where we get to know some of the you know stuff about the dressing room. But first off, I've been told I have to ask this: Have you got Metro Bank fever?
1: Yes, I have <laughs> Metro Bank fever. Then I'm, I'm part of the competition, so yes, of course I do.
0: Absolutely, that is the correct answer. We all have Metro Bank fever here uh, at Kent Cricket Towers. So we're going to start off with: Why you've been here? Who's been the biggest joke in the dressing room? Do you have any funny? But arable stories that you can relate to us
1: um not sure there's arable I, mean, I can uh, edit. I, quinny matt, matt Quinn's generally good for a laugh mm-hmm. um yeah he's um i guess he's he's always he's very sharp in terms of his wit so yeah, i I enjoy quinny talk about arable he's he's uh, flatulence isn't great but <laughs> um yeah he's he's one that's it's always up for a laugh super uh okay,
0: what about? Who's the best? I saw you guys. Well, I saw guys playing football out there. Who is the best footballer in the squad?
1: Oh, depends on who you ask. You know, everyone will have their opinion. Um, let's go roll positions. That so I would say so. Bilbo is quite good. Controls the midfield. Joe Denley's a definite mm-hmm. gun striker. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach's okay. Okay. Max. okay, you yeah. know, he's obviously quite gangly, so he gets he gets himself into awkward positions. But yeah, I'd say it'd be between those three Diva's good and Harry Finch as well. Yeah. Harry Finch is a good player. So out of those five, I don't know. Well I don't wanna say I don't wanna there would be unnecessary <laughs> confidence from someone if I mention one player. So there's a there's a strong group there. Yeah. Well let's bring
0: someone down a peg then. More importantly, who's the worst? Oh. Um
1: Generally, it would probably someone from the Southern Hemisphere, so I guess. Ben Compton played today, which is the first time I've seen him play, he wasn't very good. Uh, Normally, they just just sit out if they're not very good. (laughs) Fair enough.
0: What is the best and worst thing about being a professional cricketer?
1: I mean, obviously, without trying to be too cliche, I guess you're... Playing sport for a living mm-hmm. um generally I, you players would, most players would say they love the game and you get paid to to do that it would be you know it it should be seen as a privilege really, but I guess the worst thing it's not all it's cracked up to be like you get on the bus and you get home at two three in the morning and then you've got to get up and prepare to be ready for the next game thirty six hours later it's it's um yeah, it's not as glamorous as it sounds. It's not that tough one to say, so you don't like. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: okay, so something I'm personally really interested in is obviously the rise of franchise cricket and the lure it has over players. Of course, it's your career. But how hard do you think it is for players, especially these days, to balance like kind of a love for a club or loyalty to a club, per se, and playing in these competitions around the world. From a player's point of view, how do you balance yeah,
1: that? I mean, it's a tough one for me because obviously, you know, I guess, I'm probably from the past era where, you know, it was all about club cricket and mm-hmm. everything else revolved around that, you know. I think when I first started here, it was very rare that clubs would release their players to go and play in the IPL. I think, for the development of say national white ball size I think that franchise cricket's good I guess it obviously it's tough to take from a club's point of view when when you see guys you sign guys on contracts and they're away and they get injured and basically you only see them when they're rehabbing so you put all the effort into getting them back on the park and they take off and play somewhere else like it's it can be seen as frustrating I mean I you know, it's a good opportunity it's good cricket to play and obviously you get get paid and whatever else but I've had a few experience in terms of the big bash and the 100 great cricket but didn't necessarily have to then interested in finding my way around to other tournaments around the world so probably not the best person to ask because I'm more inclined to say that my mentality over the course of my career was always club first and then Mm -hmm. everything else come about but there also weren't as many opportunities then as there is now so I, I can see the frustration in people
0: equally important question I'd say is and one very dears my heart which county has the best tea
1: um tea so here now so Aaron who's the chef here is the best on the circuit by miles lunch and tea is extraordinary oh. I think you know <laughs> various <laughs> places that you go to I won't mention any names but after games and things like that particularly in T20 they bring up a little platter of and Aaron's got the full spread on like it's a proper buffet restaurant down there it's amazing so there's no way that I could ever go past Kent Lovely.
0: I now know why you signed um
1: oh, I, th- th- so this was a this was a perk of the uh, of the <laughs> position I was unaware that this was the case uh, it's it's uh, it's phenomenal yeah oh uh, I- I'm so jealous.
0: <laughs> the things that we get served up in village cricket these days. It's oh, horrendous.
1: And you have to pay for it. We have to. And we have to pay, <laughs> pay for it. Pay your subs or you don't get any. Honestly, yet. horrendous.
0: Oh, I'm losing my head this season. Um, okay. Who has been your best mate at Kent so far, would you
1: say? Um, best mate? I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I, I enjoy, I guess, I enjoy having a conversation with, with Deba's, Daniel Bell Drummond's a Jet I think we seem to be, we're probably the senior, senior figures and the more level headed, sensible guys in the change room. So we can actually hold a sensible conversation (laughs) without someone chipping in about what they did the night before or whatever else. Uh, I quite enjoy talking to Deeb. Yeah. And there's not one thing that he can't remember about cricket either. He sees, if you've got a question, just ask Deeb, you'll know. You'll know. Um, Yeah. And I've enjoyed talking to Bilba. Had some good chats with him and, and, Ben Compton as well, different cat, but I think that if you actually sit down and listen to him, he's got a lot of um, a lot of very good things to say. So, yeah, I've, I have get myself about, and I've spoken to Zack's Zach's, Zach's uh, another one as well, I guess. Zach's a little bit different. He's obviously still a very young kid, but with a sensible, level head on his shoulders as well. So he's another good one to um, chat with. Favourite thing to do outside of cricket? Oh, um, uh, a couple of things. I enjoy. I enjoy going fishing. I mm-hmm. Love fishing. Which I haven't sort of had a chance to do over here too much. It's not I haven't had the time really, but I enjoy fishing and playing my guitar probably as well. So it's a good, it's a good thing to keep your to keep your mind That's elsewhere instead yes. sort of playing a bit of music.
0: Did you catch much of? Obviously, the, we're recording this just after the completion of what was an amazing Ashes series. Did you catch? Much of it. What did you think about the two-two uh, result? Obviously, as an Aussie, but an honorary Englishman, how did you find that series?
1: Um, fair, okay. I think fair. Uh, I so before the start of, I mean, obviously living here and and seeing the way that England played over the last you know, eighteen months, I I found a little bit rude that Australia while. Well, They haven't done it against our bowlers yet. I'm thinking, well, yeah, they have. They've done it against some quicker bowlers than yours, and they've done – so I I, I sort of felt like that was a bit naive of them to sort of come out and say that. I guess it's an Ashes series, and everyone has these outlandish statements and whatever else, but there's two different ways of approaching, and probably both teams are at the top of their game at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like England, you know, the first two tests were a little bit – Almost outside of the way that before you know, the, the series before this one, they, they had a, they seemed like they have a process the way they were gonna go about playing this really attacking cricket. Whereas the first two tests they were just I don't know if they, they read, they believed their own hype or it was just the build up of this massive series that they over eagerness probably got to them a little bit, I don't know. But you know, after that, after those first two tests they come with a noticeably different approach. They were still quite attacking, but the balls were on the ground, so I felt like if they had played that way, they would have hammered australia. They would have won well, it's we get the third test, I suppose was a draw they would have won four nil it's very i think it's very impressive that they' were able to play like that consistently over the course of five days so but in the end, I guess Australia took their opportunities in the first two tests and they won, so yeah. you know at the end of the day, it came down to. Six thirty, day five of the fifth test. Amazing, to come away with a draw. So a yeah. drawn series. So yeah, fantastic, fantastic Ashes. And I guess it's probably achieved what they set out to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the crowds were packed from yeah. day one to day twenty-five. So that's yeah, brilliant. Yeah.
0: Okay. Last, like, quick-fire question is: describe our one-day squad with one word. Excellent. Superb. Yeah, good, good. way I would like to finish these podcasts off is I'd like to have your top six. So, like how a football five a side team normally works, I would like, uh, okay, normally I'm going to ask for the people that you've played with, and you can go for that Kent players, this is. Yep. But as you've been here the year, it can be Kent players you've played against. So, Possible. I'd like to have a couple batters, a couple bowlers, an all rounder, and a keeper. If if you can do that for me, so who have you got in your top six?
1: Okay, uh, a couple of batters. Guess you have to go with Zach Crawley mm-hmm. and Daniel Bell Drummond. Nice. Yeah. Um, what we looking for? Um, say Sam Billings would be keeper keep. bat. Um, it's all rounder. Grant Stewart all rounder. Nice. Yeah. Um, can be damaging with the bat as well as you know he's really effective with the ball Um, in terms of my bowlers let's see I think are we allowed to select overseas players yeah, cool. yeah. I think he, Matt Henry would have to be oh, would have to be one you know disappointing obviously that he's he's playing at Somerset this year what are you thinking obviously he, he's you know what he's not only this year and what he's done in national level but we we were on the back end of, of some of his performances for for Morgan against Kent. <laughs> yeah, He was and, wonderful. Um, oh, I can't go past. I, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put him in. I Can't go past my old mate Steve. o he's going to go in as a bowler. But you know, obviously, what he's done yeah. for Kent, and you know, we're we we've had some enjoyable times over you know over my time here playing at Glamorgan and you know, still speak to him now. He's a great fellow and we've always played against each other and always gone when the bat and ball was open we'd go down for a beer and stuff. So um I have to put him in because he was so damaging with you know one with the bat but he's you know, we don't need to speak about his abilities with the ball. He was an absolute genius. So he I can't put a, a six aside him without putting him in. Legend. That is a strong six. I look forward to see
0: who the other guests put in theirs Honestly, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It's been fascinating also. For the fans, if you want a glimpse of the great man uh, this Sunday, I know you may not be on the pitch.
1: But <laughs> oh, me as well. Yeah, you're talking about me. Too. Oh, sorry. yeah, <laughs> Of course. I thought we were the next guest.
0: No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> if you want a glimpse of that's coming up, it, you can you can see him at the County Ground Beckenham this Sunday where the Kent Spitfires face the Leicestershire Foxes. There are still tickets available, unbelievably, available to buy online now at tickets.kentcricket.co.uk. That's tickets.kentcricket.co.uk. Also, you can support the Kent Spitfires in the one-day cup, this school summer holidays, as the under-15 tickets are just for £1. Again, go get these tickets at tickets.kentcricket.co.uk. Once again, thanks so much for your time. I've loved it, really. You've given me hope. (laughs) Uh, I'm ready to don the cap soon when there's another injury crisis. Thanks again your time no problem, and too. i look forward to speaking to you all again next week
1: cheers thank you